You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the show. This is Eli Steenlidge, and with me today is... Jeremy Holiday. And tonight we are talking about Blade Runner 2049. Uh, on our last episode, we talked about the original 1982 Blade Runner as kind of a way to lead into this new version, because um, we knew we had to talk about this. This is a pretty big deal for me, at least, going into the film, and we can talk about our reactions and my reaction to the new film. Uh, which is not really like strong one way or the other necessarily, but uh, it, it's definitely interesting. The film, uh, as kind of a way into it, I think we could talk about maybe some general impressions of the film, mm -hmm. and also just like the different perspective we get, I guess, in this film from the original. If we can kind of see a different yeah. way into it, because I think they are the the narrative. Um, form, the structure is a little bit different than the old version. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, again, kind of good and bad in some ways. Uh, I guess just to like start out for myself, I was, well, I was tempering my expectations, mostly going into it, and then reviews started coming out, and they were highly positive. So then I was getting excited. And I think in the end, just kind of general impression, I think... It was a really solid, pretty great film, but it didn't leave me like wanting to have rewatch it right away again. I certainly want to see it again and maybe multiple times, but it didn't leave lingering things in a good way that I wanted to follow up with. And I think that was like the big difference for me. Like the world was well realized, but didn't have the sort of you know, nooks and crannies that I wanted to dig into in the way that the old one did. Or even, like, in character sense of digging into those characters in the same way. Uh, so that was just kind of my general feel. I think they did a great job of not just sort of using the same elements, like rehashing them, um, but presenting them in a kind of a new way. But overall, I wasn't, like, blown away. There were some moments that I think were really wonderful, and beautiful or mesmerizing um, within the film, but overall, I, the the ending I thought could definitely have been stronger. Um, not bad, just like could have been stronger. Um, the plane going overhead. <laughs> cut this part out. Cut it. Note to self: cut this out. Uh, anyways, so that's kind of where I'm coming from. How did you feel, Jeremy? Well, I'm been kind of short this evening, short Eli. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, gosh. Um, well, in our last podcast, I remember we talked to Steve, and one of Steve's uh, Steve Mills' points was that like a lot of the things that people love about the first film were kind of by accident, mm -hmm. you know, and it sort of and, and also evolved over several iterations of the film. True, you know, it took a lot of different back cuts, and forth, yeah. yeah, to get there. Um, that said, though, I mean, even if there's uh, 
I look at it as a as a way of sort of like expressing and talking about an idea, you know, mm. which comes from, you know, Philip K. Dick's source material about yeah. uh, primarily about like um, when you have uh, implanted memories in an mm. Android, what how that affects them, what does that mean, what does mm-hmm. that mean in the world, all those sorts of things. Um, the truth is, I was like, I was disappointed with the film. That was okay. my, like, I enjoyed going. It was yeah. way better than Alien Covenant. Um, <laughs> and there are there are points of it that are cinematically, like just in terms of photography, mm-hmm. just like amazing. Yeah, you know, especially like the, those yellows and oranges when they go into the the place, like yeah. the, the Vegas kind of place. It's really beautiful, fabulous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and just and some of the ways in which he moves through space. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I do feel so. E- even that though, I feel like. Really good films have uh, what I would call like a tableau structure, mm. where like you'll flow into like a powerful image and you'll flow out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't feel that as much mm. in this film. I felt like we, we, we moved, like, you know, there were these, you know, like a, a 10 second or 12 second clip yeah. that itself was beautiful, but it didn't move into some powerful thing and then out of it, mm. which is, it's a style point. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not necessarily critical of it, but there are. Especially if you're trying to make very clear visual statements, mm-hmm. um, I feel like some of the visuals in this film were amazingly beautiful, but I wasn't quite sure what they were telling me. Yeah. Um, even like when we get to Deckard's place, which you know in the little side room feels a lot like his apartment in the first film and mm-hmm. has this cluttered space. It also like I really like the film Minority Report, and I like yeah. when you go back to his apartment and see all the drugs and the remember. But you know, it's like a very it's like a, you get to see right into his heart, his life, if yeah. you will. Um, it was like cluttered without real purpose. Mm. Um, I was thinking, oh, okay, a lot of a lot of alcohol bottles. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what the hell does it tell me? Okay, he's got yeah. a surveillance system, mm-hmm. and you have all this visual space. Yeah. You know, and we've been waiting. We're mm-hmm. gonna sit here in silence <laughs> and do, have awkward conversation, which was fine. Yeah. Um, you know, like fill that up with meaning. Right. You know, and we pan the pictures of. Rachel and some other things, mm-hmm. and we see a dog. We mm-hmm. don't know if the dog is real or not. Right. But like we're here, like we are sitting down. <laughs> we're sitting down and waiting for all this stuff, and it looks cool. Yeah. But again, it, it doesn't have a lot of the meaning. Where in the first one, I feel like there are almost everywhere we are. True. Like you know, all the different spaces, the cold room, mm-hmm. the guy who makes the puppets. Yep. You know, like you know, like these things are really telling us about characters mm-hmm. you know and we get enough of it that we learn about them so the other reason i was disappointed was like the story mm-hmm. and i'm big on story and i love story yeah um and i i just so as i mentioned when i uh, when we talked about arrival i loved the film mm-hmm. one of the best so great yeah i didn't like the ending mm-hmm. i i mean like the f- the first twist when we sort of realized she's seeing things out of time sequence yeah great yeah love it nothing else like it in cinema that i've seen you know mm-hmm. But when we get to the part where we're like fully down the rabbit hole and we're speaking in the future about the past, yeah. I, I don't care. Like, I, like I'm like, you could literally, like, snakes could pop out of people's <laughs> eyes. Like, we are so far beyond any reasonable place with rules or something. That you can make sense of Yeah, yeah. the story is, like, meaningless to me. Mm-hmm. But, like, so, you know, when I, in my version of the film, like... You know, there's a little bit towards the end, and they sort of disappear into what that really beautiful. Is it water? Is it smoke? Whatever that is, were they there? Mm-hmm. Film is done, and it's <laughs> awesome. And we're yeah. left to contemplate what's there. And so, we get we get a, you know we get the twist at the end of 2049. We learn that you know we, there's pe- the people we suspected of being um, the child. We learn how mm-hmm. the, who the child actually is, right. and it sets up for a tender moment. Mm-hmm. But that's like a one-time go. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. Yeah. Doesn't. Really, I mean, I can watch it a second time. It's not gonna do it for me. Yeah. And so the the way I so disappointed. Right? Yeah. Could have been. I mean, it could have been so much worse, right? And watching mm-hmm. the three follow up films, I was like, they clearly did their work, and it's great. Yeah. I mean, and it's and I think when when anyone, you know, because I'm sure they're gonna try to remake or add sequels to a whole lot of things like this from the, sure. from the 70s and 80s and you know right I mean these back, are yeah. like texts of science fiction and whatnot. they have a built in audience yeah yeah I mean I, I so the, the one of the ways I thought about that sort of rehabilitates it for me is mm. the following hmm. um, and I, I have no idea if this is the director's intention mm-hmm. or if what I'm about to mention echoes anything of his thoughts um, but when, when Walt Disney originally conceived Fantasia conceived okay. of it as uh, something uh, something that was going to come out you know every couple years and it was mm-hmm. going to be the represent the vanguard of this kind of animation okay it's going to be Fantasia 1 and 2 and 3 right. and 4 we only have 2 we have the original Fantasia and Fantasia 2000 but in the creation of Fantasia 2000 there was a lot of talk about how it was taking part in Walt Disney's original vision mm. um, of creating sort of like a space or a milieu or yeah. um, a serial, like a like a, a, a movie magazine right. for ideas and you know like an speculative art yeah. around animation. And so, so we have Blade Runner twenty forty nine, mm-hmm. you know, and and I think it it certainly it doesn't end the story, the, and we learn more about stuff. Yeah, it, it's like another story in this space. Mm-hmm. I think he does a great job to um, maintain the space and the world, and certainly leaves and certainly leaves space for someone to make a film after him, right? For someone to make a film that takes place again between you know twenty or whatever twenty nineteen and twenty forty nine. Twenty forty nine. And I think he's you know telling us he does a good job of telling a story in this space and mm-hmm. leaving the rest of the space open for other people to work with. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and think, think of it from that perspective. Again, it's like it it's, uh, provides an opportunity for other people to have Blade Runner or in Blade Runner world Explore speculations. World. Yeah. Stuff, which I think is good and I sort of appreciate that. Um, so that's something that sort of makes it feel good to me. Because, you know, yeah. he didn't redefine the visual style, he didn't mm-hmm. redefine the musical style, he didn't. Uh, there's no retconning really. Right. Like everything is sort of uh, maintained and has maintained its integrity. And this is another story that involves our main characters, mm-hmm. but sort of exists in this world. Yeah. Um, Here's maybe a few things to help us think about comparison between the two films. Because yeah. I think we both agree that the 82 version does things pretty well. And yeah. we mentioned in the last episode, I think Steve brought up. Uh, and we were talking beforehand that the original, some people say the story is a little meandering. It's not necessarily the point um, of where we get to, um, but the characters, the flow of things is important, the ideas, the concepts. But I don't know if I totally agree with that. Uh, we did talk about also how it's a very noir type story. Yeah. And it has this complexity to it, this obtuseness that's kind of hard to get through, but that's kind of a classic feel to it um and steve also brought up before we had seen the film that it has uh, a clear linear flow to 2049 yeah Yeah. and so you can follow all the pieces and it leads somewhere that you understand but 
and I think some people are saying that's more of a complete film in some ways than 2049 because it still has a has a more solid structure to it. But like I said, I think that leaves me wanting a little bit. Um, but a little bit of differences, and I'll see what you think about as far as like the perspective. So I think the original explores kind of this idea of mortality and humanity through the limited lifespan of the replicants. Um, so we're kind of looking at, from Deckard's perspective, at at least what we think for most of the film is kind of these other beings, right? Um, something, these beings that we're not used to that are artificial beings. So, but that kind of makes us view our own humanity, right? Through these other, other beings. Um, whereas the new film kind of questions reality in general, not necessarily just like question, like the original questions humanity, this questions reality and where humans or beings draw their significance from. So we have, you know, replicants that are striving and revolting to have their humanity in 2049. And that kind of represents our grasp of reality in the first place. Um, makes us question things like what are the importance of relationships and how we make true connections between beings. Um, and maybe ultimately, like, what does it mean to have a legacy? I think we can kind of break that down with like Kay's character. He kind of goes through this like emotional journey in the film, I think, where he uh, thinks that he is this, you know, lower class citizen in the world, um, at least on Earth, and uh, has this prejudice against him, and he doesn't really have control of his career or life, really, things like that. And then he starts to think that he is this sort of new creature, right? The, the son of Deckard and um, Rachel. So he has this great importance suddenly in the world, and then ultimately he finds out that is not him. <laughs> and so he kind of loses that again, um, but ultimately maybe finds some meaning in helping Deckard find his daughter. You know, he plays a small piece and he can have some sort of, um, find some sort of meaning in that, that he left some sort of legacy behind yeah. that meant something. Even though he is an artificial being, he's not really sure what, sort of meaning he has in the world, what kind of reality he holds um, throughout things. So I think in the new film, we get directly the perspective of the replicants from the beginning. I think that was a clever take instead of trying to do the same thing of like, you know, is, is our main character a replicant or not? Or who's human, who's not? Pretty quickly in that uh, main first scene with him, we find out he is a replicant, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. I think the first scene is one of the... Um, it has a lot of really great cinematic elements. Mm -hmm. Great pacing. And, yeah. Great pacing. Yeah. And also, you're like, you know, after the second... Like, he, you know, like, we're pretty sure that the guy he's fighting is a replicant. Mm -hmm. You know, I think yeah. he, he seems to know it. We seem to know it. Mm -hmm. and, and my impression is, like, he's oddly confident... Yeah. Given the fact that he's pretty large for replicant, and he could probably just crush his head, mm -hmm. and he tries to, and turns out <laughs> that his head can't be crushed like a normal human. And right. like, I think it was like the second time he hit his head, I'm like, oh, he's not human. Yeah, he that goes through Ryan a wall. Right. Which yeah. Kind of through, yeah. Um, but so there's this thing, also too, like the boiling pot. I mm -hmm. love it. Yeah. We don't see what's in it. <laughs> and, and, and there's part of me that would be like, oh, that's a great element of sort of mystery. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, it because because it has no significance. It right. doesn't matter. We like, don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it has this visual element that creates this sort of like, ooh, like the pot's boiling over mm -hmm. tension. Mm -hmm. But that's all it does. It has no, I, I, like, I mean, I, I don't think it has any deeper meaning. Yeah. Like, it's probably boiled bugs. Yeah. Like, can you show me the boiled bugs? <laughs> or, I mean, so, you yep. know, it, it's, it, so when I, we get to that part, 
And it's like, oh, it's not like a secret bomb or mm. something yeah. is he's cooking. We just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and it's and it's just not like he's cooking and trying to hide or you know. Mm-hmm. It, um, and so that's the first point that there there were a lot of I don't know what I could say, but like uh, empty visual signals mm. in there. Yeah. Where I'm like, you know, like if I look at it, you know, I'm like, oh, that looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I break down all the visual pieces, mm-hmm. they, some of them don't have anything more than they look cool. Yeah, I, d- I don't know that there was a ton of depth, even though it was some of the best production values I've seen in a yeah, sci-fi no, film yeah, yeah. for a long time. Yeah, I just don't know that it had the meaning that the original had. And whether that was, like we talked about, all that was intended or not, it certainly came together in the original film. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've thought, I mean, I know I'm sort of, okay. So, I mean, about the things that you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, in watching um, the the opening of the the eighty two version and mm. the twenty four nine. There's always this the, mentioning the idea of that like that killing a replicant is or you know that it's it's called retirement. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I and and so like you know, there's not a lot of text in it, so like that cue mm. prompts us to say, oh, this is about like um, the death of two different things, mm. you know, or like that we're contemplating two different things, right. and and what are the differences between them? Yeah, and so and I think like you said, like the limited lifespan. Um, in the original is sort of how is sort of the structure that we have to sort of deal with like what is human is that good or bad what mm-hmm. records is that good or bad what is better yeah um, and I do think but so when you get to 2049 mm-hmm. um, there's this the thing I want to say about it which again it might be jumping forward with ideas you have okay. is like I, I, I would perhaps boldly say like uh, Deckert Rachel Anna um, and the entire, like, Deckard line is mm-hmm. immaterial to the film. Okay. The key is about Kay, his relationship with his digital... Um, joy. With Joy. And, and, and the entire film, the, the apex of the entire film is the scene in which, like, Joy is sinking on to the prostitute to, like, have an interaction mm-hmm. with Because mm-hmm. um, I think, you know... If this is about like a, a continued contemplation of this concept about like what is you know, like what is it what does it mean to be an artificial being, mm-hmm. you know we have in this scene all we really need. Um, we have like a replicant that knows they're a replicant. We have like a, a digital being who knows she's a digital being, but in in the hierarchy of things, she's mm-hmm. sort of lesser than K. In right. like she seems to have a very singular purpose, mm-hmm. and she doesn't seem to be um, uh, autonomous. Right. Um, in the same way that Kay is. Yeah. And the prostitute, who's there essentially of her own free will, mm-hmm. I don't know if she's a replicant or not. Uh, right? I feel like the implication is because she's at the yeah. android replicant revolutionaries. Yeah, yeah. She's so with them. Assume, so no, she seems to be she also sort of like a spy for them. Yeah. Like checking out Kay to like bring them in. Yeah, so so I, I would know. assume she is. Yeah. yeah. Or at least sympathetic to the cause. Yeah. Um, you know, but in, in in this thing, she plays. She's um, she's been asked to be there. She has a she has a job mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and you know, the, I think all of the there's the question which you raised about like what is what is what is reality, mm-hmm. which, as interesting as it may be, is not super compelling to me. Okay, um, it, it is, uh, but I feel like it's like uh, well, 
I'm feeling short tonight. So it, it, it's like a postmodern cop-out. It's like, yeah, yeah. who knows what is? Yeah, yeah. Um, and for me, like, the people that always say that politically are always, like, taking advantage of other people. Like, the people mm-hmm. that are questioning, like, the, the, the basis of global warming mm-hmm. or, like, statistics on things. Or, like, we don't know what is, man. Who knows what is? Yeah. Um, it's just the people that say those kinds of things. And also, historically, like, Nazis and whatnot and the Cultural Revolution are people <laughs> that um, I don't... Um, I don't agree with. Yeah. I also like think that, um, you know, having spent time as a graduate student, there's a, a level of abstraction that I mm. think ruins the entire universe and <laughs> renders everything you do null and void. Yeah. There are things which are real. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that kind of goes back to the moment with Deckard's dog mm-hmm. um, when he asks, Kay asks if he's real and he says, well, why don't you ask him? Which I think is meant to be representative of the the filmmaker's view of the replicants in this film essentially like yeah well if they think they're real then they are like you know and i think it's a, it has become a little relative you know yeah That's what yeah um you know but I, and i think like because what i really care you know and like because like so this is the thing another mm-hmm. criticism like i mm-hmm. care about the deckard story i care about rachel I care about yeah. anna I care about jordan catalano what's his real name in the Jared Leto? Yeah, Jared, what's his name in the... Uh, Neander or something like that? What's his last name, though? Doesn't he go by... I'll look it up. Okay. Um, the evil blind guy. And um, we'll talk more about him, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, like, I care about those storylines, but ultimately, I feel like the film expresses its most profound thoughts mm-hmm. through the relationship of Kay and Joy. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I mean, yeah. that was the most compelling fascinating concepts mm-hmm. to me even though i don't think it was it was sort of dropped at a certain point in some ways um, yeah. yeah and and i mean because we have this other story that really is going to carry us through mm-hmm. which you know when i look at it you know the the scene we get at the end where we see the fake joy billboard which is like one of the you know great yeah. billboard yeah and, and really well done and visually fantastic and mm-hmm. you know and also sort of cinematically and story-wise like we learn some stuff and we yeah. watch our character learn some stuff which is that like oh like She's doing exactly as she was programmed to do, mm-hmm. which is something Kay is coming in contact with, too, because, like, he realized that, you know, I mean, I don't know the right term because I think mm-hmm. manipulation is, is too blunt a term to describe it. But, like, due to individuals yeah. telling him things and implanting memories in his mind, he mm-hmm. has played a part in a, in a big story right. that he may or may not actually care about mm-hmm. um, and finds himself, at the end of it, not particularly all that well off right or better <laughs> yeah you know than when he started yeah um and you know and and we get these moments where we get to see him mm-hmm. um and he seems to be happy at the end whether he's dying or lying there or right you know and, and in the sense you know i get the sense of you know like what the you know the the sort of the french um existentialists would say about the samurai and that, like <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is you believe in it yeah. matters like how committed you are to that thing mm. you know mm-hmm. and so he, he you know he he was really committed to this task yeah you know and it was a good task and now mm-hmm. it's done right um and so that's you know maybe that's all you get yeah and i i think some of the flaw for me came in uh not that i need a big action sequence fight scene at the end but i think when k is fighting love um the replicant and trying to save uh, Deckard from the flooding waters and stuff. This was supposed to be kind of the big climatic battle. And that's just not the way I was feeling it in the moment. Um, like, I was, it like, 
towards the end of that scene, that sequence, I was starting to realize like, oh, this is like basically the end almost here. This is supposed to be important, but I didn't, it wasn't built up that way. And maybe it just wasn't, the pacing or something was off too, but it lacked, I think if you're gonna have a scene like that, to kind of fulfill audiences expectations or whatever for some climb um, some conflict or something between them what the first film had was we do get this sort of brutal action scene between Roy Batty and Deckard but ultimately it has this sort of poetic existential flavor to it um, that we learn about who these characters are um, finally finally yeah and, you know, Deckard is pushed to the edge, literally, as far as he can go. And um, and Roy ends up, you know, saving him and just sort of spouting some poetry, which is not the thing we expect. But I think it is sort of this profound moment of sort of um, extremes and things. And that the scene in 2049 just doesn't carry that with it. Like, I didn't know really like the flooding was going to be coming for Deckard, you know, until they start. I didn't know that was like a danger stakes that were coming, you know? Um, I didn't really feel like why they had to battle in this moment, you know? So it just didn't do much for me um, leading into those final moments. So it, I just think they needed something stronger um, to bring that together. Cause we also didn't understand what he was trying to do to save Deckard besides just save him at that point. Um, we didn't necessarily know he was going to take him to his daughter then. Right. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean the hard thing for me, so like if you look at, and I mean, I don't know if my criticism holds up, but mm. I mean, if you look at like classic, movies of conflict say you take mm-hmm. those Sergio Leone films yeah you know and they, they all have a showdown mm-hmm. and, and you, know, you know it's like if, if you're gonna have conflict like you establish the stakes yeah you know what's at stake before you start right your showdown something will change yeah we always know the good guy will win will mm-hmm. may, maybe pay a price yeah um, and you know and so the minute that they in the water I'm like oh he's gonna kill her and save Decker yeah I don't need to watch Right. Um, and, and it's also like, but I don't know why he's saving Decker, mm-hmm. or why she wants to kill him, yeah. or why they're fighting, right. or why they're on, not on the same team to begin with. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, because it's like, why would she, yeah, again, like, it, you know, and again, mm-hmm. it's, there's this ambiguity, like, what's Deckard's role in the Rachel business? Yeah. Like, is it just Rachel? Mm-hmm. Is Deckard a key? Right. You know, and if yeah. Deckard's a key, why would she let him die? If, like, literally right. her boss has, like, right. slaughtering things and mm-hmm. across galaxies or whatever right. um, to find it. And then how could you let it go? Just let it go, yeah. Um, and so, and, and I know that there's some level of ambiguity which can exist, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for me like I was just said in the last episode like the the, the the most valuable part of the noir journey for me is that it's often a journey, journey of self-discovery yeah um, but even if it's not a journey of self-discovery it's a journey from an individual um, from normalcy to a a, a a dangerous grasp on the truth like they, right. they pass right. through all of the, the, the scariness and and, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the, and the, the encounter the complete darkness of humanity mm-hmm. to come away with the truth which is unsettling but solid. Right. Um, and so when I look, there are some elements of 
truth, mm-hmm. even in this story that we, we like that we don't get, and I, and I don't think it's significant or meaningful that we don't get it. It's just yeah. not there, right? Because um, with the, you know, Jared Leto character, he's like I, you know, Neander Wallace, Wallace, Wallace Corporation, Wallace. yeah. Um, uh, with Wallace, like he, you know, he says a few interesting things, like mm-hmm. when he like says, well, maybe like to Deckard, you know, implies that maybe. He it was all set up right between yeah. him, you know. They were supposed to come together, yeah. Right, um, and immediately I'm like, oh, like interesting thought, but like, what's the what's next the sentence? implication? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I mean, why does like, it matter to him? Yeah. Where's the dossier? And like, right. where's where's that story? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, you know, it's like, oh, cool, we're playing with this decorative replicant, you know, yeah. you know, and which is fine, um, but there's got to be. Like we learn about Rachel, we learn about Rachel a lot before Rachel learns anything about it for herself, and and, mm. and that's part of how we're able to see her internal struggle. Mm. We know she's a replicant mm-hmm. for a long time yeah. before it happens, mm-hmm. before she comes to understand it, believe it, and yeah. have, and, and wrestle with it, mm-hmm. right? And it, and, I, and I would argue it has to happen that way, yeah. Because um, if she finds out before we do, then she's telling us about how she feels. But if we find out before she does, we get to see it happen. Yeah. And so, and also Harrison Ford, love that guy. Um, <laughs> and I think he does a fine job. Yeah. But he I a think, good performance. like, someone needed to write him a few better lines mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. And I think if, if you're going to, I mean, you're going to have Decker in a mm-hmm. room with Love mm-hmm. and Rachel yeah. and Wallace. Somebody's got to step up their game. Yeah. Because that I mean, scene was at best disappointing. Right. If not, like, yeah, like, Movie where did ruining. it get us? Yeah. And even the conversation between uh, Kay and Deckard, where they, after they sort of punch each other a lot, um, but they Fine. sit down, which is a great idea. Yeah. Like, to just, that, I think that was a great interaction. But I don't really remember anything they said in that conversation. No. Like, I don't really need, like, an exposition spill from Deckard of what happened, but maybe like a little bit of like what he's been going through. Like, I don't ever feel like I got a concept of like what he's been doing, why he's been doing it besides, you know, having to leave Rachel and the child behind or whatever. Um, and, and we don't, like I said, I don't need everything explained, but I want to kind of know some psychology of what's going on in his head or some, something to understand a little bit more of who he is. And I think it was really well done, ultimately, to leave us still wondering whether he's a replicant or not, and not in a bad way. Not like, we're just not going to tell you. Um, but they do sort of play with that question, yeah. I think, when they talk to Wallace uh, in an interesting way. But um, So I think that part's good, but I, I totally agree with you. I just felt like we need more gravitas in the writing there. Um, to talk about it and they I think they try to get that from Wallace but I don't know what what he's saying in any of those what he's getting to yeah I um this is a tangent and uh, (laughs) cut this this later if you want but it's like in um we just watched as a family watch Wonder Woman again okay um, which I I really like yeah but when they meet Ares at the end of it Mm -hmm. like he says stuff Mm -hmm. and it's almost powerful but it's not <laughs> right. quite there, talking, yeah. you know. It, and it maybe some of it that it lacks the poetry. Mm-hmm. It lacks like the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the filigree of good language or, yeah. or wit to make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, and and I, you know, I sort of rewrote it in my head, and it was slightly, and like I'm like, oh, like, you know, because you know, <laughs> he's like, you know, I mean, yeah. his, his argument is that like, 
um, for those you know that like he 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 doesn't make them use the weapons. He just helps to develop them and, and helps right. expose humanity. You know, exposes humanity's evil, mm-hmm. which he like kind of says. Yeah, but it's like not very well said mm-hmm. you know he needs you know yeah. I, he need, he needs a language like you know <laughs> I, you know i, I i'm a, a blacksmith you know I, mm. I i i taught them to work a metal and what they made with that were swords right you know i i taught them to harness the power of the avon what they did with i mean it's not you know it's yeah. inappropriate in time and what they did with it is turn it into a weapon mm-hmm. you know like yeah i taught them to go to the stars and like, you know, you know <laughs> yeah. like, there's there's the sense that like I'm gonna follow you along. Like I'm okay, mm-hmm. but you're gonna have to. It it needs to be written better. Yeah. And I, and I don't think that's like nitpicky. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like if you know, if 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 we're gonna meet Wallace finally, mm-hmm. and we're gonna finally talk about all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I go and and I, I so what if I'm old fashioned? Like mm-hmm. I want him to say something powerful and interesting. Yeah. That's unexpected and truthful. Mm-hmm. And that we have a sense, even a momentary glimpse of sort of what is happening here. Yeah. And I and I, and I can see the director being like, "Oh no!" But like, you know, it's like because. And my answer is like, "Because you don't know, right? Like, <laughs> right? You don't know. The, the, like you, you are creating this Seems feeling, mm-hmm. but like, and I'm and, I, and the feeling is cool, mm-hmm. but what I need underneath it is is much more depth. Yeah. And I feel like he was there at some form of the script to offer some antagonism. But, like, ultimately, like, is he really that important to the story we were told? Not really. Um, he's sort of, like, shaking things up and sending people after other people, but, like, doesn't really bring much up. A couple things. Um, I do think the concept of, you know, a new being being born yeah. from replicants, that's an interesting yeah. concept. Absolutely. And But I don't... I don't really have anything against actually the way that story is told necessarily in the new film, but I don't feel like it was explored as a concept or like the the implications, Ever. yeah, which I Once. was more fascinated with. Like that's so maybe spend more time on the daughter, um, and you know what what's implied by for humanity or um, living beings because of what she represents. Like we don't know. Um, and I think it's interesting to be kind of telling the story from almost a side character as Kay, but we don't get as many of those big ideas. And the other aspect, which we should probably spend more time and go back to, is that um, Kay's relationship with Joy, I think, because that is, I think, more where the fascinating aspects lie in this film um, for what we have to work with. It almost reminded me the new, the new birth of uh, Children of Men. And I almost saw oh, like yeah, yeah. a film where Sorry. they were protecting, you know, the new child or something, um, whether it was like a grown woman or whatever. Um, and there could still be mystery around why and things like that. But I mean, I, mean, I don't know. It almost seemed like maybe they borrowed that concept of, you know, like what. So, he, so here's yeah, the yeah. thing, right? So. Um... My intention at the beginning of doing this podcast concept when we started it yeah. months ago was not that like I'm going to sit and complain about films the whole time. Yeah. Um, so it seems to be what I do. It's just with this, I so one thing that I think mm-hmm. there are like a lot of concepts yeah. that that 2049 touches on, mm. um, and I I really wish that they would have picked some of them. And to some yeah. extent, I would say like 
you know, if, if you looked at some sort of statistical analysis of like mm-hmm. what gets the best treatment, I think mm-hmm. the K Joy relationship does. Yeah. Like that's where this film's genius is. Mm-hmm. That's where when, when you know, if I imagine like the things this film spawns, yeah, will come from that mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. Cause I think the other line is stale. Yeah, I mean, I like the presentation of ideas that are interesting in films that sort of grow in my mind and kind of spin out yeah. to these other things. I really enjoy that in a good way. And like you said, there is lots of concepts and ideas introduced in this, but they didn't really, like, grow in my brain. Yeah, I they mean, weren't like, really, like, nurtured or cultured in a way by the story um, or the visuals or whatever yeah, I mean, to do that, except for maybe, like you said, the joy. Right, because, I mean, you have, like... You know, you either have a replicant and a replicant making another replicant. Mm-hmm. Or you have a replicant and a human yeah. making another replicant human or something right. like that. All of those things, super interesting. Super interesting, yeah. Like, I mean, whether it's a replicant and a replicant, mm-hmm. which is fine. Yeah. Or, but a replicant and a human, a little more interesting to mm-hmm. me, right, because you have a hybrid being. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, as a side note, if any of you are familiar with Stephanie Meyer's non-Twilight uh, <laughs> work called The Host, fabulous sci-fi up mm. until the ending. Um, in its real bad um, but you have this possibility of like uh, so yeah if you haven't seen the host uh, movie the host or read the book it's worth doing um, uh, but you have this sort of the species of alien mm-hmm. that like can live in the human brain oh, right, right. and so you, uh, our protagonist and this this species or this uh, individual called Wanderer is in her brain mm-hmm. and they sort of we, the story is sort of both of theirs together yeah and the, the, the and uh, the this the, the struggle that Wanderer goes through is she realizes that the individuals that she's inhabiting don't really consent to it. Mm. So she, 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 although she's been in several different beings across the universe, she, choose, she's, she chooses to no longer be um, in a host that doesn't want her. Mm. And there's a human that falls, a human man that falls in love with her. Mm-hmm. She's female somehow. I don't know why gender. They're <laughs> like little silver spiders and they still have gender. Gender. Because um, they're written by a Mormon. Right. Um, and so, and, and it looks like that the book is being set up so that um, Wanderer is going to go into the brain of this guy and they'll have this like amazing interspecies love right. togetherness. That, Symbiotic relationship. Right. Yeah. That's not what she does. What she does is horrible. <laughs> I won't tell you about it. I'll let you discover that really <laughs> bad ending on your own. But the but it flirts with that concept, mm-hmm. which is like I think very interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't just parallel like intercultural or interracial relationships it, mm. it, it, it like thinking about artificial beings as opposed to different beings is like a whole new concept yeah. um, and so I like I would we have tiny little snippets in 2049 about these ideas mm-hmm. and the, the story between Deckard and his daughter is really trite right like I gotta run away to save her right I'm like wait and how did that work I mean yeah. like what is the like dirt, I mean yeah, I mean, I we didn't wh- really get much, again, from Deckard's story that he was, like, longing to see her again. He didn't seem that remorseful that he left her alone for apparently he needed to do that to save her or something. But we don't get a sense that he's you know. been trying to find her again um, or what that's going to do. Besides, like, the replicant revolution, which we discussed after the film is not interesting in this context. Um I was like, oh my god, yeah. please. Yeah. At least we didn't please see stop. like uh Jude you Law know running through fire. <laughs> yeah, or like, you know, yeah, like a revolution in the streets of them, Guns. like yeah. Um fighting back or something. Major at least we didn't see that, but at least in this film. But 
yeah, it just that's not that interesting of a concept. It's more about what it means for maybe this new species or something in of themselves, like what do they believe? And it could speak to humans as seeing themselves as gods or these beings, which was kind of explored in AI, Spielberg's film, Yeah. Um, which a lot of people think they're aliens at the end, but they're super advanced artificial intelligence that, like we talked about in the last show, uh, that probably advanced artificial beings are going to be better than us. Right, um, yeah. And so they were. They're sort of these advanced sort of very compassionate loving beings um and i think that that kind of took it to a farther place whether i don't think the ending is perfect by any means of ai but it, it was an interesting concept yeah. and and so i mean i know we're on that theme yeah i mean one of the 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 elements of the three shorts that really got me excited was the so i guess the first one i watched where mm-hmm. like wallace presents this Mm. Uh, replicant to the panel of people. Yeah, this new version. You know, yeah. and, and says this, you know, like you have to, you gotta um, make a choice between your life or mine. And then, mm-hmm. the, you know, the replicant kills itself. Yeah. Now, to so me, like when I f- saw that, I was like, okay. So, like, this is a clearly an individual creating what I would call, like, in the last step, like an Asimovian android. Mm-hmm. Like, someone that follows the basic Asimov's laws of robotics yeah. that is fundamentally better than human beings, like, and, and, and doesn't suffer from all these sort of like biological frailties and mm-hmm. stuff that humans have is just better. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the exception, I mean, like in um, 2049, we just get some like shitty people. Yeah. yeah. And like in love is shitty. Yeah. And like she just follows orders. Right. And she doesn't seem to care. Follows blindly, yeah. Um, you know, and again, like the two most interesting, two most interesting people we have are Joy and Kay, mm-hmm. and even Kay. I love him. I love Ryan Gosling. <laughs> love him to death. I love Half Nelson. One of my favorite films. You yeah. Know? Um, he is. He's not very emotive, and I think that's what he's supposed to be like. Yeah, um, I mean, it's he's been getting a lot of flack, sort of, because he's generally known. I think that's his acting style. Yeah. <laughs> and if you've seen I, Drive, yeah. he's very much like yeah. that. But and here, yes, I, he is a artificial being so i guess maybe he doesn't emote that much but yeah yeah i mean but we and, don't get a lot from and it's him, fine yeah. i mean like i don't I, I i'm willing to like watch it a couple more times see mm-hmm. what i feel about it yeah because ultimately what he does i think is supposed to speak a lot more loudly than like his feelings about stuff right you know i mean like yeah. i did like that moment where he was talking to is it anna the daughter yeah where he does just like explode yeah. in anger which was really interesting right um coming that was like a surprising moment for his character i thought but we don't get a lot of other moments like that yeah and again like i think that moment is interesting mm-hmm. um but there's like thinking about like I, I will attempt to not be pejorative in my voice um like like does memory constitute being mm-hmm. um I, is not an interesting concept to me in the way that it's presented in the film. Okay. Um, like, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm interested in it. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, I mean, it, it's it's sort of like uh, our characters are concerned with whether this memory is true or not, mm-hmm. whether it's manufactured or not. Right. Um, and that's only a tiny part of the question. Because mm. um, I think, you know, once you delve into that stuff, you then need to, you know, really delve into, like, the way we experience memories on our own, mm-hmm. which is like a very complicated neurological, psychological process. Right. And, and like illustrative, I would, the only illustrative thing I say is like if you look at 
you know, they're for very classic studies about like eyewitness accounts of events mm-hmm. where you have like somebody come in and do something and like people don't even remember it correctly. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, yeah. and so, so there is, I think, and so this is like there is a reality beyond just the way we remember things, which mm-hmm. is whether it's like this thing was at that place, at some member of simple, simple location. Yeah. Um, you know, and so like, and, and Kay possesses inside of him a truth. Mm-hmm. It's just not his. Right. You know, like the moment that he saw really happened to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not him. Yeah. And so, and so like, like, what does it mean for him to possess that? Mm-hmm. You know, like, is is it his and hers? Yeah. Is it only hers? Mm-hmm. Is he sharing something of hers in a special way that no one else can share things? Right. Um, I think about one of the few good moments in the new, um, uh, I guess not the new, but the, but the um, Battlestar Galactica remake, mm-hmm. when there's a, a brief discourse about uh, Cylon psychology. Do you remember this? I don't remember that specifically. So I, I think, I don't know if they call the concept projection, but you get to yeah. see inside one of the Cylons in which mm. they like, the world in which they are walking is, mm. a, is a beautiful paradise. It's a ship. Okay. Yeah. But they get to entirely filter their mm. reality because they're entirely synthetic beings right and they can have it be whatever it wants to be super interesting concept yeah super shitty show when it gets towards the end (laughs) yeah but so then you have the situation with k or and all replicants Mm -hmm. and which i think is which gets at part of what like philip k dick was getting at in the original story Mm -hmm. like what does it mean to a thing Mm -hmm. when the majority or parts of its memories are given to it right you know manufactured um and, uh, you know, and even it's like, even though the amount of that kind of contemplation that happens in the first film, we're, mm-hmm. you know, like even, even in, the, in, in the final cut yeah. in which we're contemplating primarily like one or two things, mm-hmm. the unicorn, maybe one or two of Rachel's memories when she's a kid, very, yeah. very small sample size. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have a strong sense of the like Im- ambiguity yeah. and messiness, um, and, but very strong confusion mm-hmm. about those things mm. whereas in the new one i don't there's a lot of there's like there's so many I mean, there's like a room filled of of replicant revolutionaries that apparently yeah. all have the same memory or very similar memory right and that drove them to do things and um, yeah, I mean, and yet i'm like i don't it, it all seems where does it lead? Like yeah. too far removed from mm. an experience that i might have as a person mm. Um, to relate to it, you know, to sort of have an end to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, one thing that I thought of, and it's kind of a reach, possibly, but with the Anna character and saying that his memory of this wooden horse and things like that um, when he was young is a real memory and ends up being hers, that I got the impression that those sort of revolutionaries that he meets like have also been sort of called together in a similar way through yeah. these sort of memories. Yeah. So I was trying to pull together some something else going on here, whether it's like she is sort of like all of their mother or something. They're they're like her children mm-hmm. and she's like awakening them to this higher existence that she can experience because she's like fully born of whatever you know um replicants or replicant human uh combination so i mean but again that's that's a stretch and so i'm not exactly sure where that leads um but yeah i mean and the other thing that i was just thinking about um i think always the pictures have sort of stuck with me in the original like that was one element that uh kind of started to convince me that 
Deckard is a replicant because we get Rachel's photos that she says like, hey, I have these photos. I must be like, I remember these. And then we sort of, they don't talk about it, but he's sitting at the piano in his yeah. vision. And we see all of his old photos, yeah. which must be important to him. Um, and in the new film, we do have this element, which at the time is, is interesting, but I couldn't figure out like why it's there. But we get these older representation of things but in sort of new technology. So we get Elvis flickering in and out when they're having this fight scene, um, singing. And then is it Frank Sinatra that he sees the little hologram of yeah. that's singing? And we do see some older like photos and stuff. But Kay kind of seems fascinated by this stuff. Um, so I don't know if that is just kind of their way of saying like the representations of the past it kind of has this like nostalgic flavor to it, but like in this new version, it's sort of shown in these holographic forms, which is kind of like going in and out. You know, is it reality? Is it not? Um, it's not totally real. How much can we believe that? And and maybe that speaks to like where our future is going. Yeah. Like, where I... how what are we gonna consider important? Um, I was recently lamenting. This is not. A new concept but it was hitting me stronger even though i thought about it is just looking at some newer films that i wanted to have copies of and i was like i'm just going full in on digital these days but yeah. i really like do miss something physical um yeah. like i don't really feel like i own it when it's just like this file that's saved you know with itunes or something yeah. like it doesn't so it's certainly easier to use and access everywhere yeah um, yes, it's very convenient. It's very nice, the highest quality. But it, and you know, there's there's been academic articles written about the uh, the quality of physical media. Yeah, and, and the, you know the, the analog revolution. Yeah, yeah, and if it has some sort of like soul to it that we can okay. experience. Yeah, um, okay, I'll give yeah. you this. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wager. Yeah. That. Um, both, I think that Elvis and that Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. are not real Elvis and real Frank Sinatra, and we're supposed to see that. Mm. We're supposed to see that they're a, hologra- a historical holographic representation of someone who looks similar to them. Mm. Um, you know, like I, yeah, like an impersonator. I, uh, as an audience who would know that, mm. and I, I don't know if it has significance. I yeah. think it's it's cool, right? But like I don't know. Again, it's like mm-hmm. it's like there are these multiple levels of what is really meaning, mm-hmm. and I'm like, but where does that leave me? Right. Because because I, I I again I don't subscribe to a perspective in which there is meaninglessness. Hmm. You know, I'm like yeah, I, it yeah. doesn't matter if I was created or like <laughs> came from the Big Bang or whatever. Like there's there's other more conventional ways of talking about meaning mm. or what I'll say significance mm-hmm. that are. You know, they're conventional and old-fashioned, but I think they're valuable. Mm. So um, one of the things that I think, um, in, which comes up for me in this conversation, which is one of, uh, is the concept of significance. Because mm. I think that one of the things that a, a lot of, I can look at a lot of places in the film and track, like, how our, our protagonist, uh, you know, uh, moves, increases and decreases in significance. Mm. He starts off as a number, right? Right. And like, and Joy wants to give him a name. Mm-hmm. Joy thinks he's special. Yeah. Um, he eventually comes to believe that he's special. Mm-hmm. But because he has this memory, because he finds the horse, um, 
and, and, he, and he believes that he is a totally unique being in the universe. There's mm-hmm. literally yeah. only one of him. Mm-hmm. And then, in the same moment that he learns there are other people like him, he also learns that they are equally not special. <laughs> and he, he, for all of his like blank acting, he's disappointed in that. Right. And we see him that be disappointed him hard, yeah. in that. The next time we track, I think, if we're to follow this mm-hmm. theme in the film, is yeah. at the end when he's, you know content mm-hmm. to die or not die right. in the snow or not snow mm-hmm. when Deckard sees his daughter. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, there's a, a simple way to say that, you know, he, he, he starts off being insignificant, mm-hmm. you know, hated, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and a number. Yeah. And, and so like, that's like, that is a, that is a human experience that I can, I can latch a hook onto. Mm-hmm. He becomes, you know, like, the center of the, you know, like, the, the thing that nearly everyone who cares about things in this world is focused on. Right. Right. Wallace has decimated worlds, you know, right. yeah, to yeah. do this or whatever he does. Yeah. Um, um, and he's devastated by the fact that he's not, in fact, the most important thing in the universe. Mm-hmm. And still managed to have uh, sort of sublime joy. Right. By, you know, by doing something. Doing something, yeah. Um, and so I think that, like, you know, thinking of that, there, like, that's an interesting story. Mm-hmm. It's something that I can relate to. It, and I think that it's, I mean, intentional, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and though there are, like, I think multiple sort of um, themes like this that can go through, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I still, like, I have to end with one you know, element, element of criticism um, that's, like, I... The other things that help him go through that journey, Anna, Deckert, mm-hmm. the revolutionaries, yeah. you know, the three sort of prostitute spies, mm-hmm. they're, they become, in some sense, a little more than props. Mm. Um, and I, it's, un, it's like, I'm like, that's really uncomfortable for me. <laughs> you know, because, you know, and again, like, we haven't talked about it yet, but like Anna's illness, real or not real. Right. Uh, and we why or why not? Sure. Yeah. Um, and I want there to be an answer. You know, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, and it's like, and I feel like the, you know, the, there's this ambiguity in, in the mm-hmm. original Blade Runner about, like, you know, for those of us that like it, you know, this is Deckard a replicant or not? As mm-hmm. I said in the last podcast, it's interesting to me because it turns his noir journey into one of self-discovery, which I think is valuable. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the other film is not ambiguous. Mm-hmm. They are replicants. They were made by, you know, the Tyrell Corporation. They are going to die at this particular point. They have a problem with that. Yeah. It's not, I mean, and, and, and they, they, we feel about that and they, you know, scheme about that and there's mm-hmm. boiling eggs and other sorts of things along mm-hmm. the way. Um, but those are things that are pretty clear. Yeah. And in 2049, there's a lot of that that I'm like, I don't even really know. Like, I'm not, like, the stakes, the, the bounds of our journey aren't defined enough mm-hmm. that I can really dig my heel, dig my, you know, my meat, my mental meat hooks yeah. into a lot of things because they keep sort of going away yeah and you know there's this scene um where uh, wallace sort of cuts the uterus of this replicant new replicant yeah. and i really wish i knew why yeah i mean like i understand like he's trying to make a replicant that has a child and i'm presuming that this one mm-hmm. doesn't work or right. something i mean it seems like just to make the point to us as the audience like in a very visceral way, like that they can't, that he is not able to, and he gives sort of like a meandering speech to get to that point. 
Because who, you know, is it just love is there, right, with him? Is yeah, and, and she and feels... She, he mean, doesn't need to make the point to her, yeah. you know, like... Right, yeah, it's yeah. just like, I mean, it's like, it's a spectacle for the audience. Right. Um, right. And also, like, I mean, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, like, it's totally unmotivated, like, mutilation of a female body, mm. or mostly... Yeah. I'm like, we don't... Because I, I think back, I mean, because it reminds me of parallels for me, mm-hmm. like the opening sequence in uh, Ghost in the Shell and Ghost in the Shell Two, because mm. we see her, we see in both cases, we see her come up out of this, yeah, yeah, um, thing, and, you know, and, and you know, and she's this mm. sexualized body that's put together mechanically. Right. Don't love it. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that's sort of how we're presented in this, in sort of this case. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like horrible violence. Yeah. And it, it's like I, I mean. I'm I'm okay. I mean, who's this? I mean, if you're gonna do that, mm-hmm. at least be super clear about what it means, because mm-hmm. it happens and it seems senseless and pointless. Right. Like there's nothing that I get out of that that I don't get out of like one line of dialogue, mm-hmm. except that like, I'm sorry, both this guy and the filmmakers are a little gross. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, and like, because yeah. again, like if we understand that Wallace is depraved mm-hmm. who cares like what does it mean for me in the film right like does it undercut his message does it make his message valid mm-hmm. what like, what function does it have in the story yeah um and what what is his goal of having this knowledge or this power to reproduce i mean it just sounds like he wants to whatever conquer the star the planet well, the universe or something but like why does he care about that like uh, also, like, yeah, we don't why know. does it matter that he's blind? Yeah. I mean, like, I, it's totally fine for just to have someone blind in a film. I don't, I don't mind at yeah, all. Yeah. But in a film in which everything is really significant and they spend a lot of time on those little freaking drones, yeah. what does it mean? Yeah. What, what meaning am I supposed I to mean, draw from that? I don't know if that's playing off of the original film, which had such a focus on the eyes. Because he didn't have vision. He you did, know, like, to relax. Yeah, he vision. didn't have vision. He didn't have... Um, the eyes are windows to the soul, so maybe even though he's human, he doesn't have this humanity, yeah. you know, whatever, compassion. Fr- I mean, yeah. like, soulless. Disconnect, yeah. You know. Um, and I did think it was interesting that um, we get this directly of saying, uh, K Superior says, you know, uh, you don't have a soul, you know, yeah. it's interesting uh, to point out. You've, you haven't needed one up to this point or whatever, which again kind of points to, like, I think the film is kind of saying this concept of like you are what you think you are sort of yeah. reality. Um, also, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, can you be significant mm-hmm. in, in, in a big capital S sense yeah. if you don't have a soul? But right. here's the thing: a soul is a stupid concept. <laughs> like, it's nobody. I mean, it's a way of pointing to. It's, it's a metonym for a concept. The intangible, right? Right. Um, that we're trying to pull. Yeah, that we're we're sort of reaching for of what makes us right. So I mean, but whatever, like, yeah. if but if we're if we're in a if we're in a world <laughs> in which it we're talking we're their replicants and we're mm-hmm. still talking about a soul yeah. and don't have a more sophisticated vocabulary to talk about mm-hmm. what humans are, mm-hmm. you're, you're you've lost me a little bit. Yeah, because like we already in twenty whatever the heck this is seventeen have a, a more like. A more advanced right, view, which is, I mean, and I don't mean, I don't mean to alienate all of our, I, I just think <laughs> that like, you can, t- you can talk about the, the heart of what a soul is and what it mm-hmm. means and how it, 
how it like what it means what it means for a human to have a soul mm-hmm. what it means for like to for a human to be born of other two other people yeah like how that fits in the grand scheme of meaning in the universe mm-hmm. whether you believe you know in, in a higher being or not like you yeah. can talk about it in a way that just doesn't say a soul hmm. you know and you can talk about like and you know, yeah. you know imagine like what how much better the dialogue would have been between Robin Wright's character and Kay mm-hmm. if they had these Ghost in the Shell ask, I mean, discussions about, you know, you know, maybe it's a veiled discussion about what it means to be a real detective, right, or something, yeah, and, yeah. you know. But it's like they talk about stuff. It's just not super important. Mm-hmm. She's a little sexually attracted to him and would probably want to have sex with him. Situ- <laughs> like that's what I get out of it. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that's like he's a fine looking man, mm-hmm. and would follow, you know, her orders. Her orders. Like, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I need, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, again, like I'm watching Blade Runner. You've <laughs> had 20 years. I need more. Yeah. 30 years. I know. Yeah. You know, like, and yeah, I don't know. So maybe we should get to to kind of talk about what is sort of meaty in the film, JK. the the decay and joy um, scene, because I I think this scene has more to talk about or surrounding talking about joy too, but. Uh, Reflecting on the film afterwards, I kind of took the approach that you've mentioned recently is, you know, if there's something that seems like they're pointing to in the film specifically, yeah. that I should probably also be focusing on and trying to draw some meaning. Like, they, hopefully they put it there for a reason that I can get something out of. Right. And so the sort of um, sinking scene where Joy and the prostitute sort of sync up and the kind of lovemaking scene... Um, was really sort of like mesmerizing and I've heard people talk about how long it is yeah but I didn't really feel that way in the moment it was just sort of interesting to see what was happening so I I thought the scene was good just as a cinematic moment but I was trying to figure out like what else am I supposed to get from like they're a little bit out of sync so we can kind of see them overlapping and what's this experience mean for Kay so yeah I was kind of trying to draw a little bit out of that so I don't know if it's meant to... What I was first thinking was it's a way that we can kind of project an idealized view of sort of love or companionship onto a physical being. Yeah. Like um, being married, you know, and we've been married uh, to my wife 11 years and we have learned sort of like about who we think the other person was going to be and who they are and how we change as people over that time period and um, even though I didn't think that I have these idealized views, I sort of do of what that all looks like. So I think this is a way of showing that we all kind of project a version of ourselves um, that others want to see or who we want people to be. And I think in that sort of sinking moment, you know, joy is something essentially intangible, but um, Kay is, has strong experiences with. Um, but I think in that moment, it represents something intangible that becomes sort of incarnated um, into the prostitute. It has physical body at that moment. And I think that's what Kay is ultimately sort of like reaching for or like this blending of things together. Um, I mean, it is like the idea of the ghost in the machine or like some sort of soul put into a body. Um kind of blended together for him to experience something that's like indescribable or intangible um, that's that's suddenly sort of taking form or that you can experience in a real way. So I think 
again, it's kind of playing around with this concept of reality. Um, and, and I think there's something there, too, about he is an artificial being, a replicant, who is having this relationship with another artificial being, intelligence, that's, like you said, sort of a, a level down from what he is, um, but as a concept is very meaningful to him um, in his sort of vision of the world or concept of the world or what he can experience. And so who's kind of to say that that isn't, doesn't have significance for him, I guess. So, I mean, there's a lot that's interesting about the scenes, like in, in just in the grand idea, the grand discussion of ideas in cinema. I mean, it mm-hmm. parallels for me most um, actively the scene in her mm-hmm. when, you know, she sort of like attempts to like have sex with our person, but she wears the little camera yeah. and like talk, talks in her ear and tries to sort of talk her through, mm-hmm. um, you know, much like essentially a sort of a sinking kind of thing. Yeah. And remember that scene goes awry because she like smiles in an odd way and mm-hmm. he gets really put off by it. Yeah. And again, like for all of you feminists out there, like I think that there's, there's, <laughs> There's a lot of, about her that's really interesting. Yeah. But a lot of it is, you know, it's also like she's a she's a female, like she's designed to to like a female's pleasure slave essentially to him. Which also joy is right. And yeah, we yeah, can talk yeah. About how the film acknowledges that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's, and I think like it, and I think it's much more acknowledged in joy and just mm. the way she's represented as like mm. naked and reaching down and yeah. you, know, in, you know, like uh, impersonal mm-hmm. in a way that that's sort of masked in her yeah. we're supposed to believe she's a totally normal human girl thing you know it's yeah. not totally not weird and sexist <laughs> um, but in, in, in an interesting exploration like mm-hmm. and I think you have a parallel exploration of sort of that in the one Black Mirror episode where the girl's um, uh, husband or should be husband gets killed yeah, and she has like the replicant version of him at home mm-hmm. you know and it's also sort of a very sexual sort of thing yeah. you know and it's you know, tragically sad at the end when he's just sort of there to say hi to the girl every once or twice a right, year on her birthday yeah, yeah. you know but in, anyway in tragic black mirror style <laughs> of course but i mean i think that there, there's i would agree that there's a lot about this idealized view right because mm-hmm. i mean and, and they really emphasize this like mm-hmm. he sits down to a meal of square rations but yeah. it's it's actually like brought you know the the, the overlay from mm-hmm. joy is this giant meal yeah and he's excited about that giant meal mm-hmm. the home-cooked meal right. right he's not particularly excited about he doesn't seem to really acknowledge or care what's actually there. Mm-hmm. He, he cares about this other thing. All right. And there's this technical element to it that I think I'm right about, but I'm not entirely sure. I don't think anyone else can see Joy. Hmm. I think only he can. Interesting. Because no one ever, no one else ever sees her. He gets that like that sound signal and like interacts with her in some way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if like. I, I suspect, though I'm not certain, that mm-hmm. he has some sort of like direct connection with her, hmm. you know, because he's a, a, a replicant and she's a digital program. I don't know if I'm right about that. Yeah, but I mean, they, we do get love purposely destroys the gizmo that yeah, she yeah. travels in. So yeah. at that moment, it seems like she's aware that it's important to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. His experience in that um, But yeah. Because, um, you know, like, and, and I don't know if we're supposed to believe that or think this way, but he comes in. And like we don't see her or or her interactions for a while, mm-hmm. and then yeah. we do, and I, and I don't know if that's like I, I assume that's a little bit his vision, mm-hmm. you know. I mean I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but yeah. they're like later in the film, they interact in some way. I assume, mm-hmm. but we don't see it, and nobody else sees it. Yeah. Even if I'm wrong about that. Yeah. Um. You know, I think that that the 
just from a very, um, a, you know, just a, a personal human level, mm-hmm. like the idea of having uh, an idealized view of something mm-hmm. and having it, you know, like, ex- you know, like be represented and exist there. Like, you know, if yeah. I, and I think of thinking about like a tableau, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the image of him sitting down in this dumpy apartment with this fake thing and this wonderful like 1950s overlay served by this alternately homely and sexy woman Mm -hmm. like that's a really iconic image i feel like that is a very successful tableau packed full of visual i think she switches um sort of how she looks in that moment too really quickly and she's like a 1950s wife like these kind of more sexy yeah kind of what what we want um you know and and so that is really interesting i mean Mm -hmm. and the, the the one of the Best. So what I'm trying to figure out with when I'm trying to figure out Joy, mm-hmm. who is she? What is she doing? Um, you know, there's the the most important scene for me is whenever she like disc, whenever he breaks the antenna. Mm-hmm. There's like a, a three second clip of Love looking at some kind of monitor, getting mm-hmm. very upset and walking out, mm-hmm. which tells me that they've been monitoring everything that Kay has been doing through Joy, mm-hmm. um, and that. She provides, she, like, though she, like, so, like, even though she is unaware of it, mm-hmm. um, even though he is unaware of it, yeah, you know, what she is doing mm-hmm. um, is providing all this information to people that Kay doesn't like. Right. Um, so that they can manipulate him to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's doing that just as, as easily, mm-hmm. even without her knowledge, as yeah. she's sort of doing the stuff to, like, make him feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's... You know, like, because here's the thing. So I think, like, when when we recognize that she is, like, designed, she's a woman designed mm-hmm. to please men. Yeah. Um, we you know, we can also see, like, oh, like, what she does are things that men want. Like, mm. they need to feel special. Yeah. They need to feel significant. Right. Yeah. You know, they need to have people work hard on recipes for them. <laughs> you know, and, like, yeah. and I don't know if that's, um, I don't find that a particularly flattering view <laughs> of men. Um, but I also think it, it's a, it's not um, an unrealistic portrayal of what some historical men have, True. you know. Because if you think about yeah. the images that she's using, are images that we all know. Mm-hmm. Those are images mm-hmm. that existed, or somebody made them, right? You know, and I don't whether whether they were just put there just to sell something or mm-hmm. whatever. Like they they're there, yeah. Um, and I think you know again, like in in contrast to whatever her name is in her, I can't remember. Um, where it's not as explicit that she mm-hmm. is like a female mm. for you know to like to yeah. love men. Yeah. Um, it's it's harder to make the case in her. The other thing with Joy that um, I think is important to think about is there's a line that uh, when the three prostitutes are coming over to sort of get information from Kay, mm-hmm. the one who eventually will come. I don't remember her name. The one who eventually will come yeah. to the apartment. You know, she hears the Joy sound and she remarks, "Oh, you don't like real girls." Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because yeah. she's she's a replicant. Yeah, supposedly a replicant. Um, and so, what does it mean for like an artificial being to say that that's something else is not real, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, because why is it that this particular artificial being, um, who's this girl, um, this prostitute, and you know, is different than um, Joy, who is a created being for a specific purpose? Yep. Because you know, at, at some point in the film, you you think that like all of the revolutionaries are free spirits you think i mean we're not mm-hmm. even sure that this person is a replicant at this point um and yet they still all end up in that basement <laughs> with the same memory at the same with some kind of purpose to free themselves right 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 you know 
and so I think it's like um, I don't know. It just it, to say like it's that these questions of free will is sort of hackneyed because I don't like that. But mm-hmm. I think it's um, it's interesting. It, it does raise some interesting ideas that like yeah. there could be that, that that there is a difference between what joy is and what K is. Mm-hmm. You know, because in, in and, and, and it's and that and and um and different than the fake Elvis or the fra- fake Frank Sinatra, which I think exists kind of in the same world as like the fake dinner mm-hmm. and that she makes. Um, I also think they're visually similar to each other. Yeah. They phase in in out a little bit. They're in the same kind of antiquated 3D hologram mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. A few things about that. I mean, just like on a emotional level, I think I connected with that relationship between Joy and Kay because if if I'm looking at experiencing this world that we're in in 2049 and we see him go to his apartment and the conditions of this building he's living in and how people treat him um and his job that he's forced to do which is not great uh that that sort of existence even for an artificial being who still seems to like feel things yeah emotions and i've been watching some other films and thinking about this state of people um maybe we'll talk about it more in the now playing section, but of sort of people that are sort of isolated and um, deprived of meaningful relationships for mm-hmm. whatever reason. They don't have families or they're just different, so they don't fit into society so well. Yeah. Um, but in this in this case, I think it is more um, environmental and things like that. But like, would you know, would I want to have something like joy to like bring me some sort of companionship or something like, yeah, that would, might be something that you would go for. And if you were in that, yeah. in that condition and it does seem even worse than in the original, um, which was, I think supposed to be 2019, you know, the way things have gone and the environment's gotten much worse. It just seems like they're only there for so long before the, the water breaks over the wall or whatever, you know, yeah. um, that what sort of hope do you have? So I think that had sort of an emotional level of understanding, like, why he would feel that way about that. And I think it does have a level, kind of obvious one, of significance to where we are at in current technology. Yeah. Um, that we don't have, you know, robots or androids that look human enough and act human enough to really know what that's like. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting sci-fi concept, but we're not quite experiencing that. But on the other level, we are experiencing, you know, Siri and um, Alexa and things like that that we can yeah. talk to. And that does connect more to her, the movie Her. But I think in this way, it does have a visual component. And then in this moment, sort of lovemaking seems become sort of physical in a sense that we're sort of syncing up with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Well, we could talk about the representation of women in general. Yeah, I, I think yeah. We, we, that's something, it's a, gr- a great and noble topic, but I yeah. think it's something we should probably save for another episode. Okay. Um, I mean, and maybe, or maybe we can do it. So, yeah. I mean, I, there's a couple things that I wanted to say mm-hmm. based on what you said. Um, and um, that's so, like, if we, uh, both in her and in um, 2049, mm-hmm. the scene with Joy, the sinking, Yeah. Um, she doesn't appear to be jealous 
of the prostitute. Mm-hmm. She's a little annoyed yeah. that the sinking is challenging. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of technical thing that you know, right. it's like even she beyond her technology a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're also shown a scene though the next morning when she's like, "We're done with you now." Yeah. Um, which, in which she uh, seems to experience some autonomous feelings of jealousy, jealousy yeah. or something like that, mm-hmm. which is something that I think. Honestly, I find it less interesting um, mm-hmm. than her, like her acknowledging that there are three people in this sexual encounter, mm-hmm. or in this just just this emotional encounter. Yeah. Because um, again, I think that one of the things that is most interesting to me about the concept of an android or the concept of a mm-hmm. human created being mm-hmm. is that it could be free from a lot of these things that we may or may not like. Yeah. Like, is, do we really think jealousy is a good idea? Like, it, <laughs> right, right. it is like... I you don't mean, have to program jealousy, yeah. Right, you know, I mean, it could just be like, if you don't put it there, it's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, and from that concept, like, they must have put it there. Yeah. Like, this joy is jealous a little bit. Yeah. You know, like, they want, you know, like, the programmers wanted her to be this way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, like, that um, provides a lot of, you know, so, again, like, the sinking scene... Um, made me think of, you know, this is some really strange and new kind of way in which beings can relate to each other. Yeah. Um, in that there can yeah. be some kind of sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I guess it's fine that she's jealous the next day. I yeah. mean, like, it, it makes her seem more real. Mm-hmm. It makes her her connection with Kay seem stronger. Like, she wants to make sure that there's no one else getting right. in there. Um, but again... Like a, a, a programmed being or a, mm-hmm. a created being that is exhibits some of these more human qualities mm-hmm. is not as interesting to me. And yeah. I understand historically, like it's, it's some people say it's really easy mm-hmm. to make like, well, she's a robot, she's just good. You mm-hmm. know, like it's just simple. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, and I think I think the quote is from Margaret Atwood. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Um, but I remember hearing it um, on uh, the show Q, is a CBC show, but it was a writer who was saying, actually it wasn't Margaret Atwood, but... A Canadian writer um, who said, you know, like writing evil characters is easy mm-hmm. and they're not interesting. <laughs> but to be like a good person in an evil world mm-hmm. is very interesting because it's right. very, very challenging. Very challenging yeah. um, and so, again, like the the thing that I that probably I'll finish with, like the thing that I missed most, the, the opportunity I feel most missed mm-hmm. in Blade Runner 24-9 is the ability or is the, the opportunity to have like a, a truly good Asimovian robot. That exists in this world of muck and garbage, right. yeah. and and Kay is close. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's certainly not selfish. Yeah. Um, but he also like, you know, follows orders, and mm. you know, and he also there's the interesting part where he lies, which we haven't talked about. Yeah. Um, but it it doesn't it also doesn't seem to be our our authors don't spend nearly as much time as on that as they do on some of these other things mm-hmm. where these these layers of. Yeah. Created, you know, because and also the maybe I'll let's say this is the final thing in that scene in the sinking scene. Mm-hmm. It's like who are there two people here? Mm-hmm. Are there three? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, is Joy really a a being? Yeah, because she doesn't have a body. Right, because she's just sort of like a representational program. She thinks kind of on her own, we, but like and, how much of it is her own? And we when we interact with the sign later, he seems to have the realization that this was all programming. That's right. You know, and, and yeah. I think that's, you know, one of the best, you know, a great right. part of the film. Right. I mean, yeah. and, and, and it's like, because again, it's like, she doesn't know him, mm-hmm. but he knows her. Yeah. Um, and again, like, you know, whether, you know, if we're playing the noir game, like who is the femme fatale there, you know, mm-hmm. like there isn't super clear one, but you do have, you know, you have this, 
I don't perceived betrayal yeah. in that moment. It's one right. of the you know, like the the two moments that Kay sort of has the most feeling. It seems like mm-hmm. is when he learns about the memory, mm-hmm. and secondarily um, when he has an interaction with the joy. He has feelings. Yeah, about and I mean it. when he and when she's sort of destroyed. Yeah, that gadget. Certainly. He's very emotional. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that too because I think she because she can come with him as we as a main point of the film. She kind of becomes like. His uh, his like assistant in the detective yeah. process, or like you know, is kind of like the femme fatale who's like kind of giving him mm. guidance yeah. along the way, little like hints along the way, um, which I think is interesting. Um, the story kind of needed that. Yeah, yeah. I just think that could have been played with even more. Um, that aspect of it was a yeah. little more interesting. What do you think about the names? Uh, do you think they're pretty straightforward? Like. Joy, he's bringing, she's bringing him joy, something to his life, and love. She's like, you know, unquestionable love to oh, God, Wallace Eli, or something. I am like unqualified to answer that question. <laughs> and, I mean, like, not, I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I mean, Joy is a character. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit flummoxed by. Yeah. Um, because she's kind of all these different things, mm-hmm. and there's so much of Wallace's story wrapped up into her. Yeah. Um, cause she's always there and, and love, so, yeah. yeah, love is always yeah. there. Yeah. Um, love is all you need. Yeah. Um, I, like, I don't know what that, I mean, I'm totally open to learning more about <laughs> what she means. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Cause I mean, if she's, if she's to represent, I mean, if she's to represent some sort of like kind of love or something, mm-hmm. it's mostly all bad. Yeah. Like she's a bad robot. Right. She follows orders, <laughs> robot, yeah. but she's a horrible, she does horrible things all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, In order to accomplish that, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she's sort of remorseless and brutal. And, you know, and again, like, I don't, you know, sure, she's an interesting um, portrayal as a robot or, mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, as a replicant. Mm-hmm. But, like, there are characters that are totally like her that are just human and just that way. Yeah. Like half of the Nazis in the movies are like her, right. so it's not. I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't really. I'm not really feeling it. Um. Some other things with names I was noticing. So the the prostitute in the sinking scene is named um, Mariette, uh, and when I originally saw it, I thought it was like Marinette or Marinette. Oh yeah, yeah, like a. Like um, so I don't know if that's what they were implying. It's not quite Marinette. Yeah. Um, as sort of this. Uh, puppet um that she becomes but mariette in of itself means uh wish for a child or rebellion or bitter so maybe mm-hmm. there was like a bitter taste to this experience um wish for a child is interesting in the context but d- not related to her she's not yeah. really tied up in that um but the other connection and i'm not the first to say this but uh was was thought about it too is so his name is Kay. she calls him joe um, the character in um, Kafka's The Trial is Joseph K. Yeah. And I think there is this element of like feeling like you are going through life or in this world without a sense of control that, you know, um, the character in The Trial like is has to go to court and he doesn't know what he's been, you know, um, accused of. He doesn't know what his crime is yeah. or anything. And so he has this sense of sort of losing control of... Um, of his life and uh, his job and things like that going kind of down this rabbit hole of experiences and I don't know where that's leading so it's all kind of fascinating that they're throwing it in there I don't know yeah. yet what the, if that means anything else 
um, to be able to look at. I mean, I think I'm probably overall a little bit higher on the film than you. Yeah. Uh, I would, it does fall into that category of we've both come across quite negative on the film uh, in this oh, review, but I, I think it's one of the better sci-fi films I've seen in a while and experiences. I mean, I think uh, all films that I sort of appreciate... I'm sort of harder on. We've talked about yeah. this before. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm maybe not sounding like I'm giving as much credit. There were uh, moments like when they first fly into Los Angeles, yeah. um, which I feel like they did a good job of giving it a new feel, like a grandness to it yeah. um, that we that's even bigger than the other film. And like you said, in Las Vegas, just like beautiful color. Yeah, um, I mean. My friend Tim Compton, who's a filmmaker, sent me this article about talking about the cinematography and this is by the great Roger Deakins yeah um, and but there's a difference I think to the quality of sort of the the darkness and the haziness between the two where they're talking about like the original has more like straight noir feel to it like yeah the darkness is like impenetrable in that film like yeah. the the dark recesses of the corners of this world of his apartment we can't see certain elements of it and in the new film i think maybe it's just newer technology but things are like dirty and grimy and have atmosphere to them but there's still like a cleanness to the image you know like when we're yeah. in las vegas like the colors are very i don't know yeah clean um in in a certain sense the the gradation between you know the colors is very nice and so i don't think there's it doesn't have that same gritty feel to it in the same sense even though there is it is still a very dark world that we're seeing so i think in some ways i'm not saying those are negative things just different feel and i did like a few moments that i think were some of the technology in it was really cool um, yeah. Where it like implied something that we know, but in an updated way. I thought they did a good job about that. Uh, the scenes, the new version of sort of the the test. I think what did they say to see if he's like um, balanced? Yeah, what was yeah. The term oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. where he has to repeat these phrases yeah. very quickly. That was really cool. And it, and it was great because it was one of those times in this film where I don't really know what that meant. Like what he was actually saying um, didn't really make sense to me. But, like, it felt true to the world that it did have meaning. Yeah. Like, I accepted it, and it, it was it was uh, pretty cool. And I love sort of scenes where I'm really engrossed in sort of an interaction that's, that's kind of intense between, even though we didn't see the other voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that was a really good way of showing, like, uh, talking about him being off balance, and we could sort of sense that in his performance yeah. um, the second time that he goes through that. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was cool, but I did, I got the latest, like, I'm usually into, like, the art and design of these sort of films. Yeah. Like Star Wars, so I got the book, and I think the director, Denis Villeneuve, was on the right track, and he said, one of the most beautiful things about cinema for me is that it's a collective act of poetry, a small army of artists working in the dark, creating illusions and emotions in order to explore shadows and beauty of the human condition. I don't know, we've been very negative on the film in general about, like, what really it's saying about the human condition <laughs> and in this film um and maybe not as much maybe an example of like it thinks it's saying a lot more than it is um they're trying to but i think it was like at least a worthy cause for him to take up to try to treat this yeah. film and as others have said i don't know how they thought this very expensive film in 2017 was going to make money 
Because it is very slow and long for the most part. <clears throat> it didn't feel bad to me that way, but I can understand general audiences not going for that necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not in the particular mood, Eli, that makes me want to be super generous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that um, one thing that I am comfortable with saying is that, like, uh, just to returning to my concept of, like, Fantasia or that mm-hmm. this is this is one installment um, mm-hmm. in, 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 a, in a, I hate the word franchise, but in mm-hmm. a... In a, in a world yeah. that someone may, you know, there may be another one, mm-hmm. you know, or, or certainly, you know, like there's, it, um, you know, it, it presents a lot of interesting images mm-hmm. that you can think about. Yeah. And I think that that, um, I'm attempting to not make this negative. Um, I, like, I, I, I think, you know, you can watch the film and there's, there's a, you could like, there's a lot of scenes mm-hmm. where you could sort of um, have a whole conversation about just that scene. Yeah. Because there's so much, Going on, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like that, you know that mm-hmm. scene that we talked about with the the woman replicant that sort of gets, you know, vandalized. Yeah, yeah. Or even like the scene with Rachel, you know, and she has mm-hmm. the wrong eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, like you could talk a lot about them. Yep. Um, the thing that I and and so like that's and that's always great mm-hmm. because there are many films that I watch um, or that exist in the world that I'm like, oh, I've got the singular point you were trying to make. Yeah, they don't have and we're done perspective at all. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I do. However, I, I still lament that like it it lacked focus, mm. and and I think you know, I mean, I think you have the the K and Joy line. I think you have the the, argu- the arguments about significance mm-hmm. that I think you can track very easily across the film. Yeah. Um, but I think some of like the main storyline with Deckard and Anna um, and Rachel is sloppy. Yeah. Um, and it just as a. I don't. I mean, I don't want to say, man, like it's Blade Runner, like you know, right. <laughs> it just has to be a little tighter. Yeah. Um. But there's just some of it that some, you know, again, some of it looks and feels and sounds like you know top notch artistry, mm-hmm. and other elements of it seem sort of like bumbling, indulgent, mm. grandstanding. Yeah. I mean, it, I didn't. Again, I don't think it felt. It wasn't too long for me, but it could have been tighter. Oh it's yeah, I mean, been, yeah. so I guess I mean, like, I could have watched another hour myself. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I would too, yeah. be. To- I mean, like, yeah. I make a second one that's three hours long. I okay. would totally watch it. Yeah. Um, to think that there's, you know, again, the cinematography is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of stuff. You know, like, and like, I could, you know, I don't know how much they cut, but like, I could watch, you know, an hour worth of deleted scenes. <laughs> um, but again, like, I feel like that there's there's some element, and I do, uh, and maybe maybe I will actually say this. This will be the last thing. Um, I, as as our frequent listeners will know, I, I love detectives and I mm. love classic noir. Yeah. Um, and there's elements of, um, and I feel like the structure in 2049 is more of a nod to it than following it. Because mm. um, there isn't, you know, there's the moment which is sort of like, I don't know what it's often called, for, you know, like where there's like one last bit. Like everything's yeah, yeah. totally all wrapped up except for something, which I think happens when Kay tells his commanding officer that it's all taken care of, mm. right? But yeah. it's we know that that's not the case. Right, right. And, you know, or maybe it happens when he's certain that he's the child. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, like there's two possible places right, I think right. it could happen. Mm-hmm. But in neither of those places do we really think it's all wrapped up. Yeah. You know, and it, it's not his curiosity and commitment to the truth that drives us to a further story, which, again, mm-hmm. is what I love about that, yeah. that trope. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I miss that. Yeah. I just I um you know and our story carries like it gets from one end to the other, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the the value for me again of the 
the classic noir trope mm-hmm. is that we get to some point and it's like mostly there. Yeah. Everybody's okay with the way that things are. Yeah. There's one guy who gives a shit. Mm-hmm. And that's what carries us through because guess, yeah. they because the knowing the normal accepted truth is not enough. Mm-hmm. They have to know what it really is. Right. Um, and we don't. We sort of abandon that yeah. in this story. Yeah. I mean, I think I don't know if this is this is not necessarily like the perfect ending, but maybe I would have liked to have seen Anna like step out into the real world. Like maybe she doesn't know what it's like, so it doesn't have to be like this big dramatic moment, but just like to see what she's experiencing, the difference between that. And maybe she's been living simply in these memories, um, this artificial, like, super artificial world. Yeah. Um, that would have been... Because in another sense, I didn't need that extra shot of Decker, you know, holding his hand up to the glass. I think it would have been more interesting just to stay on uh, Kay. Um, yeah, I mean, like... That's like, like, we know he goes in that's like to see her. That's like freshman writing yeah. movie scripts. Right. And, like, he puts his hand on the glass. And that seems almost like a... You know, the director said he had complete control, but that almost seems like a note. Like, we need... Yeah, we need to actually see Deckard with his daughter. You know, like, in the end, somebody gave him some note. Yeah. Anyways, we can, uh, we can wrap up. Um, I think... It was a film that I noticed the sound design very strong in. So as a sound person, I was yeah. really impressed with the, yeah. like, you could really feel those sounds. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the production, There's I don't have any complaints at all. Yeah. You know, and I mean, like, watch, I mean, just comparing, like, the this digital Los Angeles mm-hmm. with, like, the Los Angeles, or with the whatever place we see in the Ghost in the Shell remake, it was, yeah. like... The the one that goes shows a joke. I mean, like right, right. I mean the the yeah, you know yeah. like the various billboards, the various you know three D world like that that was top notch. Right. I mean, like the those guys, that team, mm-hmm. absolute success. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. great. So yeah, it was an interesting conversation. Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and uh, thanks for listening. Yep. Yeah.